Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Let's welcome in Frank Cervelli, Hockey Insider, President of Hockey Content, Daily Faceoff. Are we officially under four weeks, Frank? And this is when you really earn your money. Hashtag confirmed. So, like, do you just go to bed with your uh, your phone like taped to your ear? I I I would like to say no, but the answer is probably closer to yes. So, where do we start? We have to start with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we got to figure out uh, the domino effect of a Jake Muzzin potential long-term injury and what that means. You saw social media last night, Frank, and you saw where everybody went right away. We're pulling a Kucherov, we're pulling a stone, and we're going to get a 4 and $5 million defenseman. That's the conversation last night on social media. It's also probably reality. I mean, the truth is when you look at the Leafs and their season and you look at how it's unfolded with Jake Muzzin, the injury, the almost a month that he missed, and really the tentative play that existed when he came back. There just seemed to be a lot of hesitancy in his game. I think he acknowledged part of it. I think a lot of it is natural and, and certainly not knocking him and, um, you know, wish him the best in his health. Like we all know concussions are no joke. Um and and really hope he recovers and gets the time that he needs. But I think really it could be a massive opportunity for the Leafs, a massive opening, if indeed Muzzin is going to be out for a while, to go after that defenseman that you're looking for, that I think they were looking for even before getting additional flexibility with Labushkin and the trade with Arizona over the weekend. And this just opens up a whole different part of the conversation than maybe even Toronto considered possible that as much as it might hurt to, to be without Muzzin for a bit, that they could be in a whole different ball game now. Do we feel like it's definitely D that the D or, or the Leafs would be most likely to suss out? Like I'm, you know, I've looked at some of the daily faceoff uh, trade stuff you've done I can't help but notice, like, Tom Thomas Hurdle makes 5.625, which happens to be Jake Muzzin's salary. Like, is there a possible they could zag on us? Well, I think they're, they're absolutely considering options at forward as well, but I think that was the case pre-Muzzin injury. I think when you looked at, at what happened over the weekend with Labushkin, I think it was kind of an immediate pivot. Like, wait a second, we got out from under this Nick Ritchie contract that gives us space, um, you know, for next this upcoming off season, when you've got to re-sign Jack Campbell, you've got to likely replace Ilya Mikheyev. And they sort of had this four-week window if, if he's going to be healthy, where it was like, okay, let's see where Labushkin fits in. Is he going to be an upgrade overhaul? And if he's not, do we then need to address the defense? And if he is and he's capable or proven capable and, and things can sort of properly slot themselves out in the lineup, that – yes, then we can sort of pivot to that forward position and begin to look at guys who may make sense. For, um, and so one of the guys that I had mentioned that the, the, we've been interested in previously um, was Brandon Hagel. Um, sources indicating that the Leafs were one of four teams that had 
reached out and expressed significant interest in Hagel with the Chicago Blackhawks. And if you think about it, like it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you could get him in depending on what the acquisition cost is, and it's high. You can get him in to contribute to your team this year and then sort of be that ready-to-step-in replacement for a Mikheyev for next season. So, you know, it's sort of thinking two steps down the line while also taking care of your your present uh, and strengthening your team. So Mm -hmm. I I think they're, to answer your question, Justin, I think they're active in, in both markets, forward and defense. You, you got to think, though, the, the priority has to be the blue line, especially what we've seen in the last couple of weeks there. Uh, Jacob Chikrin, Klingberg, uh, Mark Giordano. Uh, who's going first here? Ben Sherratt. Who's who's going to start the dominoes? Well, I, I'd imagine just based on timing that it's Ben Sherratt and sort of works its way backwards in terms of the order that you presented them. Like, I, I don't have any sense at the moment that that Klingberg is actually available. Um, the Dallas Stars are right in the thick of the playoff race. They had a really disappointing game on Sunday against Arizona, um, and they've got a lot of work to do. But at the moment, I think they're in a spot where they're going to keep and hang on to someone like Klingberg, someone like Radulov, as long as possible. Um to really give their team every opportunity to get in. I could see them being in a position where, you know, if you fast forward 25 days closer to the deadline and, you know, they, they, they're in a spot where they sort of are half in half out where they keep some of their guys to, to prolong their chances to get in or give them an opportunity while also trading a come away to keep an eye on the future. So a sort of half measure. That's what I believe is, is going on with the Dallas stars and the types of conversations that they're having. Uh, Jacob Chikrin's been on the block for a long time in the sense that teams have been calling for months on end. This is going back to December. We're approaching March. Nothing's happened. Uh, I do believe it's been pretty cool on that front in terms of conversations of late. Uh, no doubt there's interest, but it's a high price to pay for a guy that the Arizona coyotes are just fine keeping. Um, and then that leaves sort of one guy that I think if you can make the money work, and I, I don't think he's in the first round pick territory, um, but I, I really am curious about Mark Giordano and what type of fit he would be with the Leafs mm-hmm. um, in terms of his addition on their blue line. He seems to provide or check a lot of the boxes that they might be interested in, and I think teams have sort of generally asked the question, you know, Where's his foot speed at? Has he lost a step? I don't know. Like you watched some of the highlights in the last couple of days, uh, the old alley-oop play the other night for Giordano. Looks like he can still skate pretty yeah. well, and obviously his, his vision is there as well. On a Stanley, uh, on, on Seattle, he's a number one defenseman. On a Stanley Cup team, I've got him as a bottom pair guy. Well, that, that would help. <laughs> He'd be a good bottom yeah. pair guy, right? Do you mean... want to give up a first rounder for that? Well, it looks like a lot of teams are going to give up a first for a third pair guy this year. I mean, that's, I mean that's what Tampa Bay did uh, yeah. last year with David Savard. I, that that seems to be the the gauge right now. Right. Yeah. No. It's uh, you're right. It is a expensive ask for someone who's going to play 15 minutes for you. Um, you know, one name that doesn't come up in like um, 
the conversations of here's a guy who's going to get traded, but feels like could be maybe moving eventually is Mark Shifley. Is that possible that someday he would leave Winnipeg? I know that seemed like a marriage made forever. Um, you know, probably not by the deadline. Maybe is it, have you heard anything about them potentially separating down the road? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of rumblings there and it's sort of growing louder and louder. Um, I've poked around and asked on the situation and I've been told that any sort of speculation about that is premature that Kevin Chevel Dayoff had waited so long to get and worked so hard to get Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois down the middle that he wasn't about ready to, to make a move on that front. But I think this year has been really taxing on a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, especially in Winnipeg, you've heard Blake Wheeler say, and it's raised an eyebrow with me that, um, you know, this has been the most trying season of the 14 or however many he's played in the NHL. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a guy that played in Atlanta. And he's saying this year is the most trying year of his career. Um, It probably says something about what's been happening there. I don't know or claim to know all the details, but there have been people that have suggested to me that this could be the last season for Mark Shifley in Winnipeg. And this doesn't, to your point, doesn't feel like a trade deadline deal. Winnipeg has some other hard decisions to make as it sort of feels like they're maybe kind of sort of getting it together in the last, right. you know, week or 10 days and, and, and could take a run at the playoff spot. What do you do with Andrew Kopp? What do you do with Paul Stasny? Uh, do you potentially trade one of your defense a little bit of term that you could get some interest in? And then it's all those questions that, you know, are, are the, probably the same questions that the Calgary Flames have answered or tried to answer over the last few summers. Like, what do we do with this core? This group has been together for a while. They went on that run in 2018, couldn't get past Vegas to get to the cup final and haven't had much meaningful playoff success since. Is it time to make changes? Um, you know, what are your options and, and how could you remake or reshape the team if you feel like you need to? That, that blue line for me as well, like decent names, but second pair guys. I look at that blue line and I'm seeing threes and fours. I don't see one and twos. Yeah, it's an issue. And that's an issue in itself. And uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois needs a new contract. He's going to get a healthy bump. Uh, all bets are off if uh, Winnipeg misses the playoffs uh, on the Shifley front for sure. Let's move a little further out west. Brock Besser. It doesn't appear like Vancouver's going to make a long-term commitment to this guy. He's going to qualify potentially at $7.5 million. That's a big nut that I don't think they want to... Uh, uh, they, they don't want to pay. So the thinking is now, who goes first? Garland's name comes up. Besser's name comes up, but it, it appears they're more aggressive to move those names. And they say, uh, TJ Miller, is that fair to say, Frank? Yeah, I honestly, I have not heard much at all about Connor Garland. I, I think it's really got the chatter has increased a lot on Brock Besser in the last 10 days. Uh, and I've, I've sort of written extensively about that. And I think I see it the same way that you do in the sense that, is Vancouver for a team that really needs to and has made it their stated goal to increase salary cap flexibility, is it by making a commitment long-term to Brock 
better. And that's really kind of what's on tap here at a, at a significant number. Um, you mentioned the qualifying number. He's, you know, really started to put it together and probably no one has benefited more on the Canucks under Bruce Boudreau than Brock Besser. And, you know, he, he, when he scores, he's great. But I think the question the Canucks have is if we're going to be committing this kind of, you know, dollars and term to this player, what is he doing for us when he's not scoring? And I think if you look in comparison to a player like Miller, and if you're looking purely on the books at, at, at cap numbers, one more year of JT Miller at five and a quarter as a true driver for our team versus a, a you know healthy chunk more than that to Besser, um, even though he's a little bit younger, does that make sense for us long term? And so that's what I believe the conversation the Vancouver Canucks have been having in their own front office. And, you know, there has been interest there because other teams see Besser as a player of value. So um, if you're starting to make changes and that's the direction you want to go, I think the pecking order starts with Besser and, and way further down the list is, is Miller and somewhere in between is Garland. Well, uh, appreciate your time, Frank. Last one for me before we let you go here. Uh, thoughts on, on the goaltending market and what could happen there? Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, obviously, in name of interest. We had, we had heard Gorgiev earlier in the season. Where, where are we at with goalies and potential movement? Well, there's a lot of them available, and there's a number of teams that are interested in looking. Uh, teams in the goalie right. market, Vegas, Washington, Edmonton, uh, Pittsburgh looking for a backup. Uh, those are some of the teams that are out there. And then my big question is, how does the goaltending market shape up with some younger guys and non-playoff teams? When you think of a guy like Georgiev, a real long shot to be back with the Rangers next year. Um, you know, his contract's up. He's been asking for a bigger role. He's probably a luxury item that the New York Rangers can't afford given how well Shesterkin has played, uh, Junis Corposalo in Columbus, he's a pending UFA. Like, why would the Blue Jackets hang on to him past the deadline? Get something back for him now as an asset that a team can try him out and then determine if they want to sign him. A non-playoff team that's looking for their next goalie, their next um, you know person in, that can command the crease. So um, there's multi-layers and facets to the goaltending market this year. Where does a Braden Holpe fit in now that Jake Ottinger has taken the crease in Dallas? You mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury, lots of intrigue about him. Um, there's really no shortage of options and, and uh, entertainment on the goaltending market carousel as it begins to spin again. Add Vili Huso from St. Louis on teams calling Doug Armstrong on uh, that one's an interesting twist. What's going on there with him and Bennington on the sidelines while this guy is, seems like he's running the table. Yeah. So Kipper is interesting though. Like if you're St. Louis and you're in true contender mode this year, how do you possibly trade Billy Huso knowing that he might be your best goalie? You don't. Yeah. You keep him and you let it ride and you see how far it takes you. And then you make a decision in the off season. Also a pending UFA. So yep. fascinating stuff. Hey, Frank, really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, Frank. Frank Cervelli, dailyfaceoff.com.
I feel like everyone thinks the salary cap is making uh, it impossible for moves to be made, but it makes people more urgent because you can't just sign anyone. Okay. It's, some, it's, some juicy stuff in there from uh, Frank. What, what stood out for you? The Hagel thing was interesting to me from from um, Chicago. That he'd be a fit with the Leafs. He would be a fit. I he's good and he was good. In it's like Labushkin for me. It's like let me Google him. Hang no, no, on. he and he only makes one five for the next two seasons after this. Cheap is good. Cheap is good. Can score. He's got yeah. he's got uh, fourteen goals in forty six games so far this year. Hmm. So that's not, not not a terrible bet there. That's the type of guys that uh, we were speaking of uh, a week ago. Value Ky- Kyle Dubas's. And while we sit here and we can now think that the Leafs are in a a different scope. And yeah, I, I'm, I agree with Frank that you have no other choice and you were, you might have to have made a decision that you're going to go after a top four guy, even if Motherson wasn't hurt. That's how right. questionable that. Blue oh line yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. Right I, now. I, I think you still had to find a way to target that. So I think the names that I, I still see on the horizon here is like a Nick Letty in Detroit oh. or Jordan Stahl. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. not not the sexiest names Mark out there. Mark, Mark Stahl. Stahl. I was like, Jordan Stahl. Yeah. I was Sorry, like, buddy, don't get my hopes up here. Jesus, I'm picking a stall, any stall. <laughs> not Eric. Uh, yes, Jordan. <laughs> not any. Like yeah. once upon a time, that was a a valuable piece out of New York, right? But can still be a serviceable player. Uh, tremendous respect in the room. A a five six seven doesn't have to dress. That to me Mark is still. Stahl. That type of mm. won't cost you an arm and a leg. Right. Yeah, you know, the, the the only thing that changes this for me is the Muzzin situation. I know we had a good chat about it earlier, and we don't have to rehash that idea. Just, you know, are are you going to you try to use that space or not? And I don't think you can make that call for another month, well, or for another three weeks anyway, and have that, that chat with Jake. So we had Bill Armstrong, general manager of, Arizona Coyotes on the show yesterday and I kind of left the interview and I had heard that they had spoken a little bit and I asked him if he was going to keep the lines of communication open with oh yeah do you remember that oh yeah I do right and then last night they announced the weirdest trade of all time yes and no it's a weird one Carter Hutton is a yeah what's going on Carter Hutton I mean yes okay what am I missing okay okay come here I'll tell you a little secret okay what do you got okay okay there is no future considerations. <laughs> <laughs> He's yours. Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't tell anybody I told you that, though, yeah. okay? But there, future yeah. considerations is in the here's, future we will consider our relationship no, no, no. better. Yeah, no, no. Here's the consideration. Um, what do we do with the Leafs' 400 grand they just gave us? <laughs> do we pay taxes with it or do we... Have an end of the year party. That's oh. it's consider it more like tip money. So the, the Leafs paying Carter Hutton is is the courtesy how they're, they're going to make the money up to them. Wow, how did I not put that together? They're there like, yeah, go. Richie makes three point three million next there year. There you go, cash, they, real money, real money. Yes, the Arizona Coyotes don't want to pay it, so the Leafs said, well, fine, we'll pay it. Let us pay one of your highest paid players' salary for you. Exactly. He's staying with Tucson. Exactly. <laughs> wow, great. there you go. That's great. <laughs> Aren't you happy you work with me? I'm so very happy I work with you. Explain all this to you guys. Interesting Future angle. Future considerations. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's a baseball-style player to be named later. <laughs> Freddie Charles. <laughs> That's the name. 
I remember the first time I heard that. I'm like, I don't know, we were in like Hershey and Kevin Maxwell, the seasoned veterans. I heard someone got traded, and I'm like, who do you get traded for? Freddie Charles. I, we didn't have a. There was no Google there. Yeah. You could, you could pull type up in elite Freddie Charles. And initials FC. And I'm running around the room going, okay is Freddie Charles a left winger? Because I play left wing. Is he going to come in and take my ice time? And I'm like, uh, no, future considerations. That's yeah, what that's uh, old FC Freddie for you there. Love it. So. Well, that's interesting. Okay, thanks for that little tidbit. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a number of Leafs topics, uh, topics on the docket for the back half of the show. Uh, do you want to do the odd man rushes against? Yes. What, uh, that's I'm more quite, up your I'm passionate about and, this one. And this is exactly what Sheldon was talking about. And a prime example again last night was face-off deep in Montreal's zone. And mm-hmm. within, what, five, seven seconds, it's in the back of your net. It's gone the other way. And it is unbelievable how bad the Toronto Maple Leafs are at, um, at giving up odd man rushes against. If you look at their defensive stats on the year, they are a good defensive team. I mean, in terms of goals against, they're 10th in the NHL. That's fine. Expected goals against is 10th as well. So, you know, pretty good at D. Some of their stats are are very good in cycle chances. They're fourth in the league. They're first in ozone possession time in the entire NHL, you guys. No team lets the opposition spend less time in their zone than the Leafs. I hope I said that correctly. I think you get the point. Wow. Yeah, and they're amazing at that. They are 29th in the NHL at rush chances against. So they that this is what happens is no one gets set up at shop long, but they get looks coming off the rush, and it's just been so evident the past couple of days. The way they play allows that to happen, and, and that's just thinking offense, forwards who don't cover for the D, D who are very willing to pinch down, and then they're left scrambling back into their own zone. And this is a team, Montreal Canadiens last season, if you remember their playoff run, what fueled them, they led the, uh, they were first in the postseason but in a, by a long shot in creating off the rush. They they had like 80% of their goals were within a few seconds of, of entering the zone. I forget the exact stats, but it was, it was dominant. Depending on what you see tonight, and I think they're, they're staring at Barubi, their third goaltender. Yeah, there's two guys I've legitimately never okay, un- Unless Barubi stands on his head. They should be fine tonight. Tonight they should be fine, right? I should hope. While we're doing stats, Columbus is 31st in goals allowed and 32nd in shots allowed. Okay, so that seems like a good recipe for the Leafs to get back on track. But just to sort of a stat that ties into you talking about the rush chances is that the Leafs are 30th in the NHL uh, with a 757 high danger save percentage at all strengths since the start of December. So So, not getting saves on the good looks. And they ranked first through November at uh, 872. Where did you find that? That's a great stat. Uh, sports that stats. Our boy Stevie Fellin digging stuff awesome. up like that all the time. So I think it's a real chicken in the egg here. You know, like they're giving up a lot of high danger chances. And earlier in the year, they were getting the saves in the high danger chances. They're still giving up a similar amount of high danger chances. And now the puck's going in. I, I just wonder if, if Sheldon just shuts them down in terms of taking less of their creativity, which is no, high can't, end. Can't. Actually, well, Some, I, I, something's going to have to give a little bit here, guys. They're going to, he's going to have to pull in the reins a little bit. They're not built to play like that, though. Then you, then you change it up and they're even worse. This is, I love this conversation because no, this is, I disagree. You think they'd be better off having those skilled guys it's put okay. it in deep? And, and yes, because even if you pull them back and what are we, a, Game number, what, 48, 49? Yeah. 
okay, pull them back, tighten them up, and then let them earn back their their freewheeling cycle crap at the high-risk areas yeah. and, and give it back to them a little bit. But, you know, the other thing that pisses me off watching this team is nobody can get benched. Nobody That's can get so shut true. down. No, what is, is certainly it, is not it any because of the skill guys. we are in the participation era of life no. and everybody gets to play? No, it's because you can't bluff those guys. They know they're going back out there the next game, even I watch, if you're mad at them this game. I watch a lot like a hockey outside of Toronto, but I you know, I mainly watch the Leafs. I watch the Leafs every night. Does it happen other places like it used to? Like, is it still a thing? Is benching still a thing? Like, is it well, still a tactic? it's very much a thing outside of the it first is, line. It is the number one thing that a coach can have over a player. It is everything. But, Kipper, it was so Take effective because people were worried about losing the opportunity and slowly their jobs, right? Like, normally you get benched, someone else gets your minutes, and they get the points, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you start falling behind and you're deemed disposable. Like, ice time was it. But, like, these guys are going nowhere. Dubas has said it in the media. He has paid them accordingly. I just don't know that benching... Nylander for a game. He's, all right, I'll do it again next yeah. day. Whatever. Yeah, you know, like it's like, and and he's done that. I think he has benched Nylander. Nylander's the only one he'll do it to. Um, Marner, I think, got for a shift. missed a couple shifts for a shift. Yeah, but it's still one of your top players, and it's still message sending. And yeah, you know, Nylander's just, really the only one. What is, what is going on with him? Didn't we get over this hump? Weren't we talking about he's heavier? And he's leaning into Bill? guys. Bill's Bill. He shot two in the net the other night. <laughs> That's all. He's like, ah. It's, it, you know, and we I, talked about with PJ, Nick Suzuki's hit. and they, Somebody else can do that, too. Not allowed. <laughs> Apparently not allowed. Well, never really here, here's what I want to know, though. Ser- serious question. Do you believe identity is important? Whatever that identity is. Like, I'm looking at the Calgary Flames and Daryl Sutter. God, who bring sick. in... Coleman and they bring in Zadorov and Good Branson, guys who had been other places and laughed off their previous rosters. Um, you know, they they bring in Sutter guys and they have this Sutter mentality, they yes. have an identity. Yes, identity but, is everything. So what's the Leafs? It's to high be high free yes. high wheeling. And do you think believe right. you have to play that to be effective? Like they can't be yeah, what they're not. Yeah, but that's not how you win championships. You win championships yeah, by having identity. two different looks. Two identity. You need multiple identities, not one. Look at the lightning. That's They're, why on the mud the sh- movies. You know, on the mud shot, there's two shots on a wanted poster. <laughs> you gotta there's straight the, forward the front inside. shot and the side <laughs> shot. But it's true. The Leafs only have the front. Yeah. Well, you, you look at what the Lightning had, and they look at the top six and the bottom six. It's two different teams. They can hit. I like they that. They can comparison. grind. They, but the Leafs, it's high-octane offense. And, uh, hey, listen, at the end of the day, <laughs> they still got a wicked power play. A wicked. Even last night. Historically good power play. Right. they move it? So there's They're your identity. It. Take a Take a dumb penalty. This team can make you pay, and they can score. Austin, give him, give him the puck in the in the slot, and he can beat you forty feet out. Yeah, that's that's a good identity, but it's just not enough to win four rounds. Yeah, well, and and I think that too. I do agree that you need to be able to play different ways. It's tough because, like you know, it's a construction thing. You know, Spez is on your fourth line. Spez is awesome. Great value for the Leafs, great value in the contract, scores, power play, all that. But, yeah, he's your guy who's dropping the mitts when someone gets rocked and he's out there last game. It's he's done everything. Bunting's he's done, done everything. Everything. Kosh has done everything. 
Camp has done everything. Great value, but you know what? I think we're just saying this is a thing that with the Leafs that is one of the areas. A lot of teams have weak spots. Your horses have to lead too. Last night, the horses didn't lead. You mean Tavares? Tavares, Nylander. I thought Matthews probably had a, a night off. Marner, hey, he's a Ma- Marner is the same. Yeah, he was pretty good. Okay, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to dig anybody out good out of that game, but I thought Marner was at least noticeable. I, it was just a but, bad game. The, I, and I, I don't want to overthink it too much, but Borny alluded to this in our first segment. Pucks went in the net, and they got they got broken pretty quick when they saw those pucks go in. I think. Yeah, that and I know the rush the rush chances were bad, and like, listen, they they gave up the rush chances. Montembeau actually made some decent early saves, and the puck went in the net, and they kind of got behind it, and it got ugly. Like that goal goes in at the start of the second period. The one from like the the, the opposite hash marks over the shoulder somehow. I don't even know the Under physics. The arm, yeah. I don't even know the physics of how that goes in. So I can I can see. Like I don't want to overreact too much to it, yeah. but at the same time, I'm not underreacting. It was bad. You want to do McKinnon? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do Nate McKinnon because he <laughs> slashed kind of, a referee. He, he, he stirred it up yesterday, and uh, to the point where did the le- uh, did the league put out a yeah. an official uh, statement on whether or not he slashed an official off a faceoff? But he didn't mean to. It was uh, it, the league statement. You read it, Sammy? I didn't read it. Yeah, the, basically but, just said he was trying to slash the other guy. And Oh, so he's like, oh, this peak performance athlete who has the best hand eye of almost anyone on planet Earth. The guy skates away for three beats and then you slash? What you thought you he tried to slash the ref? What is he do? Of course, he looked at him and slashed no, him. No, he did not no. look at him. Yes, he did. Watch the Go video again. He looks. Look at the video. He looks. No, he's, I've watched it five times in preparation he, of this. He's looking at the player that he just des- left the face off. He deserves games. Sorry. He deserves games. We do not agree. The, the optics on it are not good. He deserves games. So you can't point- slash an official. He did, did, he, did the official say that he got slashed? Did he write him up in the report? I don't After know. The but game? I the think answer is no. We should. He should have. So you can tell from your couch eating your Doritos. Yes, you got me. But the I love official Doritos. says I've got no issues, and he didn't slash me. So we're gonna believe you. Yes, correct. You're nailing this. <laughs> Picking popcorn out of the cushions, <laughs> and we're not gonna trust the official that was on the I, ice. I no. listen. He gets away with murder. He does whatever he wants. He buried think, Nolan Patrick the other night. He slashes the officials. Ah, I, go ahead. I think it's mental to think that he tried to slash the official and did. So Sam, you're crazy. Um, but the point I've heard that actually has, holds some water is that should he be held accountable when you swing your stick recklessly and hit an official? If you high stick someone accidentally, you're held accountable Correct. for taking care of your hockey stick. <laughs> Correct. And Thanks. so if you do it. I can't even call it accidentally. You whack an official. So if I take a, a, a baseball swing at you and I miss you by three feet, I should be punished as much as if I hit you? Uh, no, but if you hit someone in the process, particularly an official, you should be accountable for swinging your stick like a madman. Uh, no. <laughs> Attempted murder versus <laughs> yeah. murdering? There are different levels. So I have made both cases. I heard Sammy's. I've heard the, you know, take care of your stick. Uh, here's my point. I don't care. I don't think it was that bad. It was a tiny little whack. He tried to give a guy. He kind of grazed an official. I almost hurt you. He deserves a couple games. Couple games. You cannot give a couple of games for almost. (laughs) It wasn't almost. He made contact with the ref. That's not what the ref said. Antoine Vermette got however many games back in the day for slat or pushing. Like, you make contact with the ref. 
The ref, the ref had no issues. That's the smoking gun. I can't say anything against that. No, no, you know more. No, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. I'm Dorito mouth over here. I can't say anything. You know who who got hit was the official in the USHL. Did you guys see the oh highlight of that guy? Oh, my God. That guy's done forever. He actually is. Got, you got a, the player got a lifetime ban. So he tries to get the puck out. The official blocks it. Along lines, the wall. Along the wall. The linesman blocks yes. it. Player chirps at him and then bumps the linesman for being in the way. Yes. Line the arms up, goes, you know, major, you're going to the penalty box, and the guy goes over and just cold He he did shove him, and that's why the official threw him out right away because there's there's the original contact that you could live with, but then he was so pissed off at the official for being there, he gave him an extra shot, and that's what set off the official, and then that's what set off the player. I mean, he just punched him in the mouth. Probably not the best choice you could make there. I saw someone in the comments, you know, where I came across it and they were like, well, you're going to take away this kid's ability to play hockey for the rest of his life? Yes, we are. That's (laughs) Or he can go find another league to play in, but you can't punch them. Who was the guy that laid the ref out a few years ago? Like, just buried him in the NHL. Was it Weidman? On purpose? Oh, that that, that was the automatic 20 games. Yeah, when he just, like, buried him from behind. He the bench, he just got a cocky. Yeah, Yeah, he he didn't know where he was, and there was a big one. That was Calgary. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing it doesn't, like, this is not even a commentary on contact with referees. Those guys do an unbelievable job of staying out of the way. I can't believe they don't get in the way more often. It's amazing. Truly. There's four guys out there, and they don't get in the way ever. I I did watch that last night, and... (sighs) The officials, it, it's right in front of the bench, and you just don't know whether Where's it's going to go up the middle of the ice, if right. it's going to come along the wall. If he gets off the wall into the middle, he might go into the middle. Like, you just got to be somewhere and trust that the player looks. Sometimes it's on the player. It's amazing. They're, they do an amazing job of staying out of the way. And it was uh, the linesman Don Henderson. Well, Donnie made me look like a dumb Our Thanks to John Shannon for that little drop-in. Yeah. Thanks, John. Um, how was your John relationship with referees, Skipper? What's that? How was your uh, relationship? I loved the officials. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I loved them all. They were Because uh, they could save your life. Well, I mean, literally, right? you mean like you're literally. in a fight, you're getting pounded? Oh, yeah, absolutely. How about the, the picture I sent you guys of Wendell Clark pulling a guy's hair oh, with his knees God. on his shoulders, about to punch him there, in the mouth? There's a different vid- life. There's a then. video on YouTube that was one of the college favorites of me and my roommates called Wendell Clark All Heart. And it's like a... <laughs> montage of him to i think it's to metallica a metallica song of course and it it's is. him all just, montages it's just are. him burying fact. guys like illegally now now would be 25 game suspensions just hammering guys punching guys out he's just a just a beast it'd be fun when, to sit uh, down with like uh patrick burke or peros and watch an old rock actually, sock him and just be yeah, like what let's would, scrub this what? from the podcast because that's an excellent idea <laughs> <laughs> true ron Asseltain was my favorite yeah he used to big bear they used to call him, and he was a strong guy, stronger than any of the players I'd yeah. face on most nights. Like the original UFC ref or official, wasn't he a giant of a man yeah. too? I got I got into a fight, and he's in the bottom of the pile, and he's protecting me, and he's like, "Oh my God, what did you eat? You reek of garlic." <laughs> I'm like, "Greek town last night. That tzatziki was unbelievable." <laughs> there's not the, there's nothing worse than being on the hot on the bench and some guy like lets a burp go. And you're like, "Oh my God, you have a." Like sausages or garlic? What was that? The bench is are fine. The bench uh, is an. It's awful. the other end that really. <laughs> yeah, it's you. true. That's when you go to the front of the net, let one go. Truly, like if you were someone who has like a phobia during the pandemic of you know just being around other people, the bench is a disgusting place. Terrible place. I mean, spit even the room and snot too is horrible. Scent and it is really 
Oh, no viruses on that bench. No. <laughs> That's actually the birthplace of COVID. <laughs> can't believe it's spreading through the team so fast. <laughs> Guys just coughing in each other's mouths. Uh, yeah. No, it's a disgusting. That's a nice visual to end the show. Yeah, oh, no. Hey, what do we think tonight? Big big win? Sizable yeah. victory? Nice shutout. I'll do fine for Leaf fans, don't you think? I'm saying 4-5-1 Leafs. I right. have taken uh, the Cobb. Leafs. Fort yeah. Cobb. A little gambling uh, at the end of the day. I have taken Leafs minus one and a half based on the stat. Yeah, the, the stat I gave earlier about Columbus gets scored on Leafs score. It's, it's simple. If by chance. Plus 110. The hiccup continues and they lose tonight. Oh, can God. we? Um, I'm, I'll, I'll be at home. I'm not coming in tomorrow. Not coming in tomorrow. No, we no. can. Derek, you're going to take over. Yep. I'm here every day. <laughs> this, <laughs> He's here in the weekend, just waiting this, for the next show. This could be where Columbus goes house money here. You know what might be best for the Leafs is they just suck again tonight and they go, we got to make trades. And Dubas just gets aggressive and just says, everyone's no. out of here. No, no. He'll say, that was another good loss for us and something that That's we gonna motivate uh, us. really help us. Uh, enough. Yeah. I'm out of here. There was a, a loss against Montreal, but a Columbus loss can really that was catapult what we needed. us to another level. That was the L we needed to get more Ws. Two hours over, just like that. Blink. Our thanks to Rick Nash from Columbus, March 5th. Circle it on your calendars. That's when his number 61 gets retired. PJ Stock, always one of the best. Our thanks to him and Frank Cervelli, dailyfaceoff.com, with a couple of nuggets for us. Brandon thanks Hangle. for listening, everybody. Give us a rating and a review if you get a chance. Love to hear from you. We're back tomorrow, Real Kipper and Born.